The following message is brought to you by Berean Bible Church and may be used and distributed free of charge. For more free audio, video, and text resources, be sure to visit www.bereanbiblechurch.org. Thank you. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Berean Bible Church this morning. I'm continuing my COVID-19 series with... (laughs) which basically is messages trying to encourage us to trust the plan, to realize that God is in control, He is handling whatever's happening. Uh, in the midst of this pandemic, it can be discouraging. People are locked up, they're stuck in their houses, they can't go to work. So I just am trying to encourage you from the Word of God that God is in control. Now, I've entitled the message this morning, Trust the Plan. Now, if you're a Q follower... You're familiar with that statement, because Q will often post, trust the plan. Now, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you need to to learn some things here, because this is uh, something that's going on right now. It's been going on since 17. It's it's pretty important. Let me try to give you just a a brief overview, if I can, uh, of what I'm talking about when I talk about Q. First of all, there's going to be a link in the description of the video when it's posted on YouTube um, called uh, Q Proofs, and I would encourage you to go there and listen to that. It'll give you a lot of information on what's going on here, but if I could describe or try to describe Q, obviously it's an individual posting or maybe several individuals. I think it's a group, a group of high-level military intelligence officers who are overseeing a subversive operation to thwart the planned destruction of our constitutional republic. Q posts cryptic messages to anonymous internet forums claiming to be an insider within the U.S. government working with President Trump and the Patriots to take down the deep state. Now, the deep state, for those of you who are not familiar with that term, is a body of people, typically influential members of the government agencies, and the military, Hollywood, involved in the secret manipulation or control of government policy. They're a bunch of evil people who love killing babies and doing all kinds of stuff, and they just want to ruin what we have here. Now, since September 28th, October 2017, Q started irregular times of posting on message boards. His message started on 4chan about a month, and then it moved to 8chan, and since November 19, Q has been posting on 8con. Now, most people posting on these boards are doing so anonymously. They're known as Anons, and Q is also anonymous. Now, in my understanding of this, the Anons are the followers of Q. They're the anonymous people who are following Q uh, because we believe in, in what's happening here. President Trump makes often references to Q as if to confirm Q's authenticity. He does it at his rallies. He does it in his press conferences. Sometimes President Trump tweets within a few minutes after Q has posted something on one of these message boards. And that seems to occur far more than one would expect if both posters were not cooperating together, not working together there. So, now, the time differences between such pairs of posting is called a delta. A zero delta is said to occur when President Trump posts within one minute after Q. Now, these deltas are strong evidence that make me believe that Q is the real deal. There are over a hundred separate coincidences of these deltas where Q and President Trump will often post things. Q posts on the message boards, President Trump on Twitter. They coincide with the timing, so it's like, you know, mathematically impossible that this is just a coincidence. Whoever Q is, whatever this group is, whatever he is, it is very clear that they are working with President Trump. Like I said, if you watch the rallies, if you watch his press conferences, you see that. Now, if you get your news from the lamestream media, 
you're going to be told the Q is just a far-right conspiracy and, you know, don't pay any attention to it. If you try to even look this up on the Internet, if you don't know where you're going, you're just going to get a bunch of people saying, oh, this is a bunch of garbage. And, and just so you know, let me inform you on this. You probably already know this, but Fox News is owned by Disney, ABC Television Group, which is a subsidiary of Walt Disney Company. Disney is the largest traditional media company in the world. So if that's where you're getting your news, you think, well, Fox is good. Uh, Fox is better. Not good. There's a lot of things that are happening that nobody's telling anybody about, including Fox News. They're just leaving it go. Do you ever heard anything about Pizzagate on Fox News? No, they're not going to cover it. Why? Because they're all owned by the same people. All right. So if you have not watched the, the documentary, the movie yet, Out of the Shadows, it's all over Facebook, it's all over social media. There'll be a link to that in this video also. I would encourage you to watch it. It'll help wake you up to what's actually going on. It's very informative. It's a Hollywood stuntman who, while being involved in Hollywood, realized how corrupt things were, and he's basically telling his story. So I'd encourage you. That's it's like an hour and 17 minutes long, I think. Uh, so I'd encourage you to watch that. All right, here's my take on recent events. Simply my opinion, all right? I think the coronavirus originated in a laboratory in Wuhan. There's a level, level four laboratory in Wuhan, China, and I believe it was purposely dispersed to the public. All right, now, if you've been watching the news, you know, they're even talking about the fact now that this virus probably came from the lab. General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is looking into this. And I think by the time they get done with this investigation, they're going to find out that this, people, is bioterrorism. Bill Gates is very involved in that lab. You know, President Trump recently defunded the World Health Organization. Okay, we were the largest supporter of the World Health Organization. The second largest supporter is Bill Gates Bill and Melinda Gates. But the third largest supporter also is owned by Bill Gates, so really he's the largest supporter of the World Health Organization. And what he really wants to do, he wants to help us. He wants to, you know, save us from this virus by coming up with a vaccine. Isn't it interesting how somebody wants to, who wants to depopulate the world is coming up with a vaccine to try to help us? You take a vaccine that Bill Gates makes and you are very foolish. I'll tell you that. All you have to do is look into this man a little bit. He is evil to the core. All right? I think this whole virus thing is a plan of the deep state to take down President Trump. They've tried everything. They're working like crazy to take him down. You say, well, how does this take President Trump down? They want to ruin the American economy. The economy is awesome. It's great. And people are going to be happy with that and vote for Trump. Well, we'll ruin the economy. They want to blame Trump for every death that happens from the coronavirus. And people, if you die during this time, you died of coronavirus. You got hit by a car, that's coronavirus. You, you died of a heart attack, that, everything's coronavirus. They're padding the numbers. They want, to, they want us in fear. They want us in panic. And it's all to stop President Trump. They, want us, they literally want to keep us in our homes if you heard him say over and over, until a vaccine is created. Why is that? Because it's going to take a while to create a vaccine. And they want us in our homes till November. So we can't come out and vote. And so they're working on this mail-in ballot so they can steal the election. And President Trump keeps saying, voter ID. We're going to have voter ID. Their plan, people, is failing. The deep state plan is falling apart. And I think they're afraid right now. When President Trump mentioned hydroxychloroquine, the lamestream media lost their minds. He's not a doctor. They're screaming and yelling, what is he doing? This? This is not... Why are they so upset when he mentioned that? Why, are they... what... Why would that bother them? Because if there's a cure for the coronavirus, the pandemic ends. And they don't want it to end. So they're fighting it like crazy. And I think very soon... We're going to find out that this has been approved for use. They're doing all kinds of studies right now, 
And we have the answer. So if you got the answer, then guess what? Pandemic's over. I don't know if you're aware of what happened on April 10th, which was last Friday, 2020. Very significant event happened. President Trump became the most powerful president in U.S. history. All 50 states on that date, the last state on April 10th, uh, and all the territories have issued a state of emergency. So all the states, all the territories under a state of emergency. And during this unique national emergency, the authority of the president is unquestionably plenary. Trump right now has absolute authority. He can even suspend the U.S. government if he chooses to do that. Now, that would scare me to death if I didn't believe in and trust what was going on. Because if Congress won't work with him, he'll just suspend it. He's going to get done what he wants done right now. And again, that would be very scary if you weren't involved in knowing what was happening here. Here's, I believe that President Trump and the Patriots, the White Hats, I believe they're in complete control. And they're, I believe they're about to take down the deep state and restore this country to the people. John Durham, who's being called the Punisher, is unsealing indictments and people are being arrested. And there's going to be some serious arrest in this country. And, you know, those of us who've been wanting justice and righteousness are going to see some good things, I believe, in the future. So that's why Q, when he posts, he keeps posting, trust the plan. It's a long-term plan. You know, some people are already frustrated because it's not happening fast enough. You got to give it time, people. This is a the deep state is is deep, okay, and uh, it takes a while to root out all this corruption. So trust the plan. Now, whether all this is true or any of this is true, I don't really know. Okay, I really believe that whoever Q is, wherever this age is, they're working with Trump. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and I believe Trump is a patriot. And I believe he loves America. So I'm confident in that. I sure hope everything that I understand is happening and really happening. But here's what I do know for sure. Our God has a sovereign plan. And we're to trust His plan. Trust the plan. Look at Ephesians 1.11. He says, In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. God laid out a plan in eternity past, and He is working. Everything that's happening is working according to His plan. Acts 2.23 says, This Yeshua delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So God has a definite plan. Plan here means will or design, just like in Ephesians 1.11. It's God's will. He's working out His will. Definite here, in Acts 2.23, is from the Greek word horizo, and it means decree, determined, appointed. It comes from a word that means to mark out with a boundary. God set it down. He marked it out. This is my will. And in this verse, it's specifically talking about Yeshua will die on Passover by crucifixion. It was the will of God. But people, what we have to understand is Yahweh's plan is not just about death, the death and resurrection of His Son. His plan involves everything that happens. He is working His plan, and we need to trust His plan. You say, I don't know what His plan is. That doesn't matter. You know who He is. We need to trust Him. Trusting in Yahweh's sovereign plan, that's easy when life is going the way you want it to, isn't it? Oh, God, I like this plan. This is good. Keep going, all right? When our world is happy, when our world is secure, it's, it's not a problem to trust His plan. But when COVID-19 hits, and the media throws us into panic, the country shuts down, our state and local governments become a Gestapo, then we realize, hey, we live in an insecure world. But this shouldn't really be a cause for fear if we realize that God created us insecure. He placed us in an insecure world so that we would find our security only in Him. Trust Him. Trust the plan. 
You know, what peace and joy it brings to trust God in the midst of insecurity. Trusting God is the very essence of what Christianity is about. In one of the truly great statements of the Bible, the writer of Hebrews tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who seek Him. People, there's no way our relationship to God can be pleasing to Him unless we trust Him. He wants our trust. And apart from faith, we can't please Him. You know, a very basic and simple fact of life is this. All our valuable relationships in life are built on trust. When a husband and wife stop trusting each other, they can continue to be married, but they no longer have a happy marriage. When two friends stop trusting each other, they may continue to see each other, but they no longer have a true friendship. If that's true in our human relationships, how much truer in our relationship to God? Without faith, he says, it's impossible to please Him. Now here the writer lays down an axiomatic truth. He uses the aorist tense in the infinitive, to please. This statement is universal in its application and it's timeless. The idea here is, without faith, it is impossible to please Him at all. can't please God at all. If you don't trust Him. Now, the author of Hebrews is writing to Hebrew Christians who are suffering great persecution from the hands of their Jewish brothers. They're discouraged and on the verge of turning away from Christianity and going back to Judaism. And he's exhorting them to endurance in their Christian lives. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. In the midst of trials and persecution, a person's faith may waver. They may even turn from their faith and walk away. If we understand that this letter of Hebrews is a call to go on believing the truths of Christianity, then chapter 11 makes a lot more sense. It's not an explanation of how to be saved. It is rather a call to perseverance in the faith, whatever the odds, whatever the struggles. Hebrews 11 gives us many examples of men and women who had grown strong in their faith. And because of their faith, they had victorious lives. In verses 32 through 35a of chapter 11, we see the victories of faith. And it's just really encouraging. It talks about believers overcoming every imaginable type of adversity Through their faith, Samson defeats a a thousand men. David kills Goliath, all because they trusted God. And the dominant thought in all these examples is triumph over adversity. Victory and accomplishment in spite of trial. That's one side of the experience of faith. But this chapter gives us another side, and and the transition is drastic. Let's look at these verses here, Hebrews 11, 33-35. It says, who through faith conquered kingdoms? We like that. Enforced justice. Yes, love it. Obtained promises. Stopped the mouth of lions. Quenched the power of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Were made strong out of weakness. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to flight. Women receive back their dead by resurrection. Then it says, some were tortured. What happened? The rapid transition to the thought of unrelieved suffering is very effective here. I mean, you're you're just up there in the clouds with all the victory. Yes, we're conquering! And then all of a sudden, some were tortured. And I think what we have to realize, people, faith is not always rewarded in this life. In my opinion, there's an even greater manifestation of the power of faith when faith, when we trust God in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty. And that's what he's saying here. Here's a group of people that didn't gain great victories on the battlefield. They didn't perform great feats for God. But in my opinion, these are the real heroes. They trusted God when the day was dark, when the night was long, when suffering was great, and when there was no deliverance for them at all. This is about faith, and some were tortured. We should be people who live by faith. Every day, 
every way we should be trusting God in our daily lives. But are we? Are we really trusting Him? You know, trusting God is of major importance in the Christian life. And the reason it is because God was angry with and He judged the Israelites because they wouldn't trust Him. No matter what He did, they wouldn't trust Him. Look at Psalm 78 that Jeff read earlier. Now, now just get the flow of what's happening here, okay? He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand like a heap. Can you imagine being an Israelite? You're standing there, you're crossing through and there's walls of water on both sides of you and you're walking through on dry ground. And you're like, this is God. God's taking us through. Watch it goes on. In the daytime, He led them with a cloud and at night a fiery pillar of light. Listen, people, there was no question that God was leading them. Over the tabernacle was that cloud during the day, fire at night. All they had to do was look at that. When that thing moved, they moved. It's like, how clear evidence could there be that God is leading them? He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. They're in the desert. They strike a rock and all of a sudden water comes out to feed millions of people. This is God, clearly, right? Yet they sin still more against Him. Don't be surprised. That's human nature, okay? <laughs> We're all in there, you know, but it's shocking. It's like all oh, this God does it. Yet they still sin more against Him. Rebellion against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God. How do they do that? Saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can He also give bread? Or provide meat for His people? Therefore, when Yahweh heard, He was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust His saving power. His anger rose because they wouldn't trust Him. People, we need to learn to trust God because faith pleases Him. And we need to trust Him because life is full of uncertainties. Who knows what tomorrow holds? You know, some people, you might feel good about your financial security. How secure are you if you're trusting in your money? We recently saw the stock market crash and pretty much climbed its way back up now in the midst of this pandemic, which is amazing. We could lose our jobs. You know, people who are secure in their jobs, all of a sudden they're home, they're not working now. Why? Because there's a germ out there and so we're all hiding in our houses because we've never seen a germ before. We could lose our health. There's people supposedly dying from this coronavirus and I think some people are. A lot of people are dying of other things and getting named the coronavirus, but we just have no idea what tomorrow holds. You know, tomorrow your wife or your husband could leave you. Tomorrow you, you or a loved one could be diagnosed with cancer. Tomorrow you could be robbed or killed. Tomorrow a hurricane could destroy your house and kill your family. I know it's not hurricane season, but it could still happen, okay? None of us have any guarantees for tomorrow. Now, we do a lot of things to try to protect ourselves against the uncertainties. You know, we purchase insurance. We think we're secure. But there's some things you just can't insure against. You know, what if you go to the store and you buy some meat and you come home and you eat it and you find out it's contaminated and now you're sick? You know, the food that you eat could kill you. Most of it will today because it's contaminated, you know, because our, our, the corruption in the deep state, they got chemicals and they're spraying on all our food because they want to depopulate the earth, people. And Bill Gates is behind that with Monsanto. Let's, let's wipe these people out. So be careful what you eat. You say, well, I only, I'm strict vegetarian. I eat only salads. You ever heard of E. coli? I never heard anybody getting E. coli from eating a pizza. But, you know, we just live in uncertainty, people. So how do we keep from living in fear? I think David gives us the answer. 
In Psalm 9, verse 10, one of my favorite verses, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek you, those who know your name. Now, we've gone over this a lot of times, okay? Those who know God's character. In Hebrew thought, name means character. To know God's character is to be able to trust Him. Do you know God well enough to trust Him? You know, there are some men that I trust completely. I would trust them with anything. Why? Because I know them and I know their character. There's some men I don't trust at all. Why? Because I know them and I know their character. And then there's some men that I don't trust at all, but I don't know them at all. You say, why don't you trust them? Because I don't know them at all. How do you trust somebody you don't know? I've had people say to me, well, do you trust me? And I said, no. I'd be a fool. I don't know you. How would I trust you? You can't trust somebody you don't know. And that's why you can't trust God if you don't know Him. How can you trust Him if you don't know Him? God wants our trust. And in order to trust God, we have to always view the adverse circumstances of life through the eyes of faith. Faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of Yahweh, our God. I think this verse is applicable today. What is the idea of trusting in chariots and horses? That's military strength. Okay? So what do we trust? Do we trust our military? Do we trust the Q movement? Or are we trusting God? Ultimately, and let me say, people, the Q movement, from what I'm seeing, most of it are believers. I mean, strong Christians putting out verses, you know, trusting God. They're, they're trusting God in this movement. So some trust in chariots, some in horses. We can't trust our own strength. We can't trust the things that we think will keep us strong. We have to trust Him. And when we know His name, His character, we can trust Him. Isaiah 50 verse 10 says, Who among you fears Yahweh and obeys His voice of His servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of Yahweh and rely on his God. See, Isaiah is exhorting the servants here to walk by faith, trusting Yahweh, trusting his character. As we look through Scripture, we see a lot of different compound names of God. And I think they reveal something to us of his character. So let me share with you some of these compound names. You might be familiar with some of them, some of you are not. Just to show you the character of our God. Yahweh Ra'ah. That comes from Psalm 23.1. So anyone guess what that means? It's Yahweh my shepherd. Yahweh Ra'ah. Yahweh my shepherd. Like a shepherd, the Lord gently leads and cares for His people, the sheep of His pasture. This name, Yahweh Ra'ah, is also used in Genesis 22.14 where it's translated, Yahweh will provide. Does that make sense? Yes, because what does a shepherd do? He provides for the sheep. He takes care of them. And God, in Genesis 22, 14, as God provided for Abraham at every point of his need, the idea is he'll, prov he'll provide for us. He is our shepherd. He leads us. He guides us. He takes care of us. Yahweh Ra'ah. Yahweh Nis. Exodus 17.15 means Yahweh my banner. Now what does that mean? It means that God is the standard under which we rally as a people of God. He's our rallying point. He is our banner. Yahweh Rapha. Exodus 15.26. Anybody know this one? This is a more... That's right. Yahweh my healer. Yahweh heals. People, He heals in every way. You know, we think of healing right away. We think of physical. The great need of healing is emotional and spiritual. He is our healer. Alright, here's one I'm sure you all know. Yahweh Sham. No. Ezekiel 48.35 This is really a cool one. Because Yahweh Sham means Yahweh is there. Where? Yeah, there. Everywhere. Okay? There is no place where He is not. 
People, you can't go somewhere where you're out of his care, out of his provision, because he's there. Okay, here's one you know. Yahweh Shalom. What's that mean? Right, peace. Yahweh is peace. Through him, people, we find inner peace, which is there in the midst of any storm, because he's always there. And he's our peace, and he's our shepherd, and we rally under him as our banner. Yahweh Sidkenu. Know this one, Sharon? No, yes. <laughs> this is Yahweh our righteousness. I love this name. Yahweh Sidkenu. Yahweh is our righteousness because through Christ He imparts righteousness to us. We come into God's presence, we come in union with Christ because we share His righteousness. Now, as you can easily see from these meanings, the names of God given in the Tanakh, each name reveals something of His nature, something of His character. It also reveals something of His provision that He promised through His name. If we're going to trust Him, we have to know Him. And we can only come to know Him as we spend time in the Word of God. As we study the Word and we learn of His character, we grow to trust Him. If we really know God's character, we'll trust Him even when He chooses to send poverty, sickness, family problems, and even tyranny. A lot of Christians screaming and crying right now about the tyranny of our God. The government is way overstepping, people. Way overstepping. And so what are we doing? Nothing. Because, see, they planned it this way. They caused fear first. See, they're, they're, they're coming over us with tyranny because we're afraid. So hide in our homes. The government's trying to help us. <laughs> That's funny. But the thing is, no matter what is going on in our environment, God is in control. And when we learn to trust Him, we can say, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? No matter what's happening. You think we're the first Christians to live under tyranny? No. And people, as you know from voice of the, you know, the persecuted church, we hear that you know, the worse the conditions that Christians live under, the, the more the church flourishes. I believe that most Christians don't trust God because they don't know Him. They just don't know Him. And how can you trust someone you don't know? How can you believe His promises when you don't know Him or the promises? And how can we know Him or His promises if we don't spend time in the Word of God? People, right now, we got no excuses. There's all kinds of time we have. Okay, You can't do anything else. Spend some time in the Word of God. Be encouraged by it. You know, if you're going to focus on the news, you're going to get really discouraged. Read the good news. Pick up your Bible. Get in the Word of God. You'll be encouraged from what God has to say. So if we're going to walk by faith and thus trust God and please Him, we have to have our thoughts formed and our actions regulated by the Word of God. Psalm 50.15 says, And call upon Me in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you, and you shall glorify Me. Romans 8.28 And we know that all the, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Now, we just went over this Scripture not long ago. Those who love God, all Christians, God is working things together. So we have to realize that the person making these promises is the almighty, sovereign God of the universe. And every promise is backed up by His character. His name. Our thinking about the promises can only be as good as we understand His character. Let's talk about some of the attributes of God. Sovereignty. We've talked about this many, many weeks because to me, this is the king here. God is in total control of every event that happens. Okay, right now, as I said, President Trump is the most powerful president that we've ever had. He has absolute sovereignty. But over him is the sovereign God ruling and reigning. Okay? Righteousness. Boy, sovereignty would be scary if Righteousness wasn't one of His attributes. God is perfect in goodness. Anything that happens to us will be good for us because God is a righteous God. Also, justice. At times, you know, you look at our government, don't you just cry out, Lord, where is the justice? Where is the righteousness? Things are a mess. But justice guarantees that His plan for us is fair. 
We know God is love. We've been talking about a lot about that in 1 John. Every situation in life is governed by His love for us. How about omniscience? God knows everything. Everything. And did it ever occur to you that it never occurred to Him? Because He knows everything. The beginning from the end. And He planned out what's happening. Omnipresence. We've already talked about this. All of God is everywhere. He's there. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, He's there. Omnipotence. God is all-powerful. He always has the capability to carry out His will and do whatever He wants to do. That's our God, people. Immutability. I love this attribute. Okay? You know people change, right? People have moods. People have, you know, one day they're nice to you, the next day they're like, what the heck's wrong with that person? You know, what's going on there? Something happened? What's happening? God doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. He doesn't change His mind. He doesn't change His attitude toward us. Toward us, He always remains the same. He is immutable. And truth. God never lies. Therefore, we can trust any promise He's ever made us. People, the more we know God, the more we can trust Him. And the more we trust Him, the more He is pleased. Can you trust Him in the uncertainties of life? You know, knowing God is not just a matter of theology. It is crucially important for living our lives because all of our conscious behavior is preceded by and arises out of our thoughts. Sovereignty. He's in control. (coughs) I believe that first and foremost, this is the thing we need to understand about God, that He's sovereign. And we've been talking about this a lot, but most of the church today denies the absolute sovereignty of God. Okay? Which reminds me of the liberal media. You know, Trump says at the presser, I have complete control. Oh, no, you don't. The states, the state. And they're, they're ignorantly arguing what they don't even know. They're fighting against the sovereignty of our president. He does have sovereign control. They want to argue against it. Same thing with the church today. God is sovereign, but the church wants to argue. Oh, no, he can't do this. He can't do that. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants to do. Okay? The church speaks about accidents or things just happening by chance. You know, you're going to have a very hard time trusting God in the midst of trials and adversity if you don't know He's in control. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you will go through, we can be sure that the Father, our Father, has a loving plan in it. We need to learn to trust His plan, even when we don't understand it. Because he's in control, because faith pleases God. So do you know him well enough to trust him no matter how painful or catastrophic a situation may be? Our faith in God is a very practical commodity. And if we understand God's sovereignty, we trust him in the midst of the worst possible situations, the worst possible circumstances. I mean, our country, you know, we have this idea that as American Christians, everything's supposed to be lovely and roses, and we got all this freedom, we can do whatever we want, and we're all blessed, and everything's wonderful. Could our country suffer from a chemical or biological attack? I think we are right now. I really do. I think this coronavirus is a biological attack. All right? But whatever we go through, it's not like it slipped through the hands of, oh, I didn't know they were going to do that. God said, I should have kept my eye on Bill Gates a little closer. No, he knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what's going on. We're not subject to the whim of some madman who wants to thin out the population. Those evil men and women in the deep state, they can plan terrorist attacks against the United States, but apart from the sovereign will of God, they can do nothing. And I really believe that God has a plan in place to shut this whole mess down with the deep state and the evil people in our country who don't care about human life. Who want to they sign abortion bills for late term abortion and then they cheer and the whole you know place claps and they're they're sick people. God is sovereign over everything and we just need to trust in the plan. 
Our trust in Him will strengthen us in all the circumstances that we face. Psalm 125.1 says, a song of ascents, those who trust in Yahweh are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Amen? You trust in God, you're like a rock. You don't get moved because He's the rock, and you're on the rock, and you're solid. God, in His goodness and love, will always do what's best for His people. In His wisdom, He always knows what's best, and in His sovereignty, He controls what's best. Trust in God, people, is a matter of the will. You must choose to trust Him. But if we're going to choose to trust Him, we must first have a knowledge of who He is. We must know that He's sovereign, that He's wise, He's good, He's loving. And once you have a knowledge of God, then you choose to believe it and trust Him. No matter what your feelings say, in the midst of adversity, you've got to make a choice. Will I trust God or allow my feelings to cause me to panic? Psalm 61, we see in this psalm that David finds comfort in the character of Yahweh. He says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer from the end of the earth. I call to you when my heart is faint. It's a good time to yell out to God, right? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge. There's Yahweh Nis, he's our banner, he's the refuge. A strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. See, David found comfort in the character of God. And so will you when you come to know Him. Get to know God by spending time in the Word of God. And as you grow, so will your trust. The average Christian spends so little time in the Bible. Everything they know about God, they hear from somebody else. And most of that is not good, people. Okay? Go to the source. We have the source. Right here. We're not living in the dark ages when you know the Catholic Church has the Word of God under lock and key and you don't have it. We have it. We just don't use it. Get in the Bible. Find out for yourself what it says. You know, sometimes our faith in God can waver. And we see that in the very life of David. You know, David the giant killer, this young boy who goes out there in faith, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to reply against the armies of the living God? And he's brave. All Israel's hiding. He's out there with a slingshot taking on this giant. And you think, man, it's incredible. David's a, he, he's such a man of faith. He is. But he had lapses, people. I think it happens to all of us. Look at here, we see a different David in 1 Samuel. And David rose and fled that day from Saul, and he went to Achish, king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands. David is ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. David's like, oh my word. They're talking about my mighty victories and I'm here with the king of Gath and I'm scared. So, he called out to his God and put his faith in him. That's not what the text says, okay? So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane. Here's David, the mighty giant killer, acting like he's out of his mind, okay? In their hands, and he made marks on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle run down his beard. Can you picture this? David the giant killer, he's scribbling on the walls, drooling on himself, and just acting like he's out of his mind. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? I love this. Achish says, Do I lack madmen? Don't I have enough idiots around here that you're bringing another one to me? He said that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence. So this fellow coming to my house, this people is David the giant killer. What happened to him? Fear is controlling David right now. He's filled with anxiety. So he calls out to God. No, 
He handles it himself. He acts like he's lost his mind so the king will let him go. Oh, I don't have to... See, they're talking about, this is David who's killed you know, thousands and tens of thousands. And so he says, well, I better act like I'm not such a powerful warrior. I don't want them to come. So, I'm no threat to you. Look, I'm not even in my right mind. You know, I'm not even in the right mind. Okay, let him go. David's ploy worked. The king sent him away. But he's still afraid and running from Saul. 1 Samuel 22.1 David departed from there and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father heard, they went down there to him. So David escapes there from the king. He goes to the cave Adullam and he sits in the cave and he starts realizing what a jerk he's been. Okay, really. He starts going over his theology saying, what did I just do? Why did I do that? Could God have delivered him from the king of Achish? Absolutely. And he knew that. Theologically, he knew it, but he's focusing on the problem and not focusing on his God. In Psalm 57, which was written from this cave, Adullam, David begins to put his theology back together. And his trust comes back. To the choir master, according to Do Not Destroy, a miktam... Now, if you look that up, no one knows what that is. <laughs> no one seems to understand what a miktam is. Of David, when he fled from Saul in the cave, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. Well, that's a switch. Now you're trusting in God? In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah, my heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. He's going over his theology and all of a sudden, okay God, I'm coming back. I trust in you. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Yahweh. Among the peoples I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. David goes to this cave, he sits down, begins to focus on God, and his strength and stability returns. Man, I encourage you to do that anytime you start losing it. Sit down with your Bible. Start focusing on who God is. Because see, David had forgotten that God was on his side. Have you ever done that? You know, your theology works real good on Sunday. You know, praise God. God is sovereign. He's in control. But during the week, sometimes you hit the wall of troubles and trials and persecution. And all of a sudden, you start to panic. You start scribbling on the walls and drooling on yourself. If you have an awareness that God is sovereign and He's on your side, you'll have stability. Why should I worry or fear when I know that the sovereign God who loves me is here? He's with me wherever I am. He's got a plan. And I need to trust Him. We see the same idea, the same situation with David losing his faith and then having to restore it through focusing on God. We see the same idea in Habakkuk. The idea of fear turned to faith when we focus on God. The thing that we can learn from Habakkuk is that a mind fixed on God can turn doubts into devotion and confusion into confidence. So go to Matthew and take a left five books to Habakkuk. Okay. In the first four verses, Habakkuk is crying out to Yahweh, listen, because of the evil of his own people. Judah is a mess. And he's crying out to God, God, why do you let your people be this messed up? Watch. 
The oracle of Habakkuk the prophet saw, O Yahweh, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Or cry to you, violence! And you don't save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. You ever felt that way? Habakkuk is saying here, Yahweh, why don't you do something? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why do you allow all this evil from your people? Have you ever felt that way? (laughs) I felt that way. Lord, why do you allow to do this? Why don't you step in and do something? There's evil everywhere. There's perversion of justice everywhere. Why don't you do something? Well, God answers them. Okay? And in verses 5-11, through we have God's answer to Habakkuk. Now, the change of speakers is apparent from the verbs. Look and watch in Hebrew include the plural you. So God is speaking. In verse 5, He says, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. God says, oh, I'm going to fix the problem. I'm going to fix the unrighteousness and injustice in Judah. I'm raising the Chaldeans up. Now watch what he says about the Chaldeans. That bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff. At the rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress. For they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep up like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Now notice verse 10. He says, They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. The Babylonians were known for piling up dirt by the city walls. They just keep piling up dirt, piling up dirt until they had a ramp and they just go right up it into the city. They were a fierce people, they had no mercy. So now, Habakkuk has a worse problem. Okay? His problem is, God, why don't you do something with your people? God said, I'm going to. And now he's like, oh God, no, not that. Okay? He's got a worse problem. How, his problem now is, how can God use such an evil nation to punish Judah? He's traumatized by God's revelation. Look at Habakkuk 3.16. He says, I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. He is so upset here, he could be hospitalized. What's he going to do? Here stands a prophet whose problems are real, not imaginary. So often we get so bent out of shape over things that aren't even real. This is real. He's talking about the wiping out of his nation, his people. This is serious stuff. In verse 12 of chapter 1, he starts to remind himself on what he knows about God. Are you not from everlasting, O Yahweh, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Yahweh, you have ordained them as a judgment. And you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. So he's developing a catechism here. He uses question-answer form. He says, aren't you from everlasting? This requires an affirmative reply. God is eternal. You're bigger than history. Your plan is good, he says. Oh, Yahweh my God. Yahweh the eternal I am, the self-existent God who is uninfluenced. You're a holy one. You don't make mistakes. He says, you who are pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent? when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. He says, you're holy, God, and you have to deal with sin. We deserve this. You're eternal. You're self-existent. We're not going to die. 
You're not going to destroy us. You're disciplining us. See, God is sovereign and He's in control. You see what Habakkuk is doing? He's basically saying, everything I know about you, God tells me to stop worrying. You're a loving, just God. I cried out against this violence. You're going to do something. Not my choice, but i got to trust you in it. Habakkuk 2, 4, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And this is the principle, people. We're to live by faith, trust in God. In chapter 3, he goes into outline the worst possible situation that he can imagine. Okay? And he says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit beyond the vines. This is their livelihood, people. This is how they live. This is what they eat. This is everything for them, okay? The agricultural society. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Everything is gone. It's all wiped out. And here's what he says. Yet, I will rejoice in Yahweh. I will take joy in the God. Of my salvation. Here's what Habakkuk's saying. No, bad, no matter how bad my circumstances get. Total economic collapse. No food to eat. I'm going to rejoice in God. God is faithful and I trust Him. In Him I find my joy and contentment. This people is a stable man and his stability is related to his view of God. So the key to a stable life, people, is resting on a confident faith in the Lord which comes from meditating in His Word. As I do this, I become very familiar with who He is and how He acts. And since I know that He is sovereign and that He loves me, I don't have to worry about anything. I really believe that the great weakness of the church today is a lack of understanding about who God is and how He acts. The church's inability is caused by its weak view of God. I think much of this has to do with the health, wealth, gospel that has turned God into a cosmic genie who is just there to meet all our needs. That's not the God of the Bible, people. But that's the God people expect today in the church. And so therefore, when He doesn't just meet every one of their needs, they're not happy with them. And the solution to our instability is not a psychologist. It's not a counselor or self-help book. The solution is theology proper. A study of God. We must come to know the God of the Bible. Martin Luther said to his opponent Erasmus, your thoughts of God are too human. I think we all suffer from that, people. Our thoughts of God are too human. We limit Him so much. We fall into that same category. A.W. Pink said, the God of modern religious thought no more resembles the supreme sovereign of the Bible than does the dim flickering of a candle resemble the glory of the noonday sun. The church has gotten away from theology because it's doing three points in a poem. The church is there to gather a crowd. That is the number one priority of most churches today. We need a crowd. And so if you want a crowd, you've got to do things that please a crowd. Okay? Trust me, I know. Because when you preach the Bible, people don't really want that. That's not their desire. They want to feel good about themselves and feel good about God and know God's there to tolerate them no matter what they do. If we're going to stand firm in the midst of conflict, in the midst of adversity, if we're going to deal with the situation we're in and who knows how far this is going to go, we have a tyrannical governor who just wants to make sure we can't do anything Okay, and, and, and there's worse governors. They're saying, okay, you can't go buy a flower, but you can go buy this. You can go buy a bottle of alcohol. We'll keep that open. That's essential. But you can't buy a flower. You can't. They're telling you what and you can and cannot buy. People, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like the church is essential. I think we're more essential than Lowe's at Home Depot. Went by Lowe's at Home Depot last week. That place is packed. The parking lot, never seen it that full. Hundreds and hundreds of people in Lowe's and in Home Depot. That's okay, though. That's essential. The church? No, no, you can't meet. That's non-essential. As long as we tolerate this, <laughs> we've got to trust our God. 
We've got to trust Him. And when we know God in an intimate way, I think we will trust Him. We'll trust Him in any and every situation we find ourselves in. As we trust Him, we'll have a stability in our life. Look at Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. If you're, if you're struggling over the situation, if you're anxious and you're worried, put your mind on God. He's in control. Watch, because He trusts in you. He trusts in you. Now watch what it says here. Trust in Yahweh forever, for Yah, Yahweh, is an everlasting rock. This is a very interesting combination. Yah, Yahweh, is only seen here in an Isaiah 12.2. And it can be translated for, in Yah is Yahweh, the rock of ages. What is that saying? I think it's saying that Yahweh the Son is Yahweh the Father, according to John. They're one. They're one God. Believer, we can have peace in any situation if we trust in Yahweh. Our God has a plan. A sovereign plan that He laid out in eternity past that He's working right now. Trust the plan. Let's pray. Father, I thank You this morning for an opportunity to look at Your Word. Lord, I pray Your people would be encouraged by the fact, Lord, that You are in control. No matter how tyrannical our governor gets, no matter how bad the economic situation gets in this country, You, Lord, are in control of it all. Lord, help us to trust you. No matter how bad the situation gets, no matter how desperate. And I pray that, Lord, you'd encourage us to use this situation as a church to reach out and help others who are in need right now. Father, I thank you for your grace to us. May we pour over the Word of God. May we spend time in it. May it be our lifeblood, Lord, that we would trust you. We would know your name and put our trust in you. Thank you, Father, for your grace to us. Amen. All right. Questions? Comments? Veronica? Well, I mean, for the cute thing, I've had to um, go to Twitter and to learn more about, like, what's going on. So, like, how would you suggest people learn more about that movement? Because, I, like, I had to start a Twitter account to do that, but... Is that your experience? Or? Um, you want to learn more about the cube movement, yes. Like I said earlier, be careful where you look because, again, the, the mainstream, the lamestream media is trying to shut this thing down and make it look like nothing. Um, yes, one of the things you have to do is open a Twitter account okay? so you can get direct when the president tweets. You can get it. Uh, there's several other places out there, good uh, journalists who are just Layman going out there and trying to t- take the news. They got their camera and they're trying to report what's really happening, okay, and get, get involved in this. Like I said, most of you, you never heard Fox News, the, the conservative news, talk about Pizzagate. They don't want to talk about it, okay? It is a blasphemous, you know, child pornography, child trafficking ring going on in D.C., supplying children for all these pedophiles out there. And no one, you know, no one talks about it. Why? Because they want to cover that up. Okay? Epstein didn't kill himself, okay? Because he was running part of this thing and they shut him down. So get a Twitter account and find some good people to follow. I follow a guy on YouTube called X22 Report. Okay? Puts out at least one report every day. Good information. There's another guy called uh, Ann, A-N-K, Ann, no, A-W-K, and we know. And he's basing it on Romans 8.28. And we know, this is a Christian man. He's putting out this report regularly. Um, Who's the other guy I was talking to you about earlier? Oh, Educating Liberals. Another good site on YouTube. These sites are on YouTube. So, you know, we'll put some links in the the description of this video to help with that. So you can can check out some of these sites. But you get get on some people who are actually putting information out. You'd be amazed at what's happening. That you have no clue... I love listening to X-22 in the morning. I turn my garage into a gym because I can't go to the gym anymore. So I go out there and work out and I listen to him. And it's just encouraging because he's talking about what's happening behind the scenes that most people don't even know about. And you're like, yes, 
yes, the good guys are making some progress. I got a question from Gary Cole. He says, we in the chat room have conversations going after your message. Could you possibly keep the live stream active for a while after the message? You did that in the past. Yes, we did it in the past because we were here hanging around. There's nobody here now hanging around. So yes, though, I think we can do that. Charity, did you get that? They want to leave the, leave, leave the chat room going for a while afterwards. Uh, you can just put the camera pointing on the you know, ceiling or whatever. Yeah, the screen. You know, but let the chat room go so they can continue with the conversations. We, we want to do all we can to promote that. Okay, we appreciate that. You know, the conversations going on. Yeah, especially today, it should be some interesting stuff going on there. <laughs> Bob, just be quiet, okay? <laughs> He's trying to stir things up. Do I? I do. I got 24-7 security, my God, okay? And if he calls me home, I'm like, okay, cool, this is going to be, I'm ready to go, okay? You know, it, it cracks me up that Christians are worried about this coronavirus and dying. If you're a Christian, first of all, if you know God's sovereign, you can't die until he wants you. And when he wants you, you can't not die, okay? So it doesn't matter if it's coronavirus, car accident, falling in a manhole, whatever, sky falling on you, God is in control, Quit being afraid. Whoo, that was long. Let's <laughs> listen. We gotta we gotta close by singing "Heal Our Land" because listen, li- yeah. Again, we've been singing this the last time. because listen, people, please, please pray for our president. Pray for our president that God would give him wisdom and strength to deal with what he's dealing with, and we need to ask God to heal this land. And it starts with the church on their face before God. Trusting Him. Calling out to Him. Humbling ourselves before Him. Let's stand and sing together, Heal Our Land.